0: Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Our COVID 19 circuit breaker across the world with all the lockdowns has meant chaos for many of the world's global supply chains. And looking around, we see stoppages, especially starting in China uh, back in January, but those have filtered down across the world, affecting commerce in many, many ways. Joining me on the phone now is Tan Chong Meng, the Group CEO for PSA International. Uh, good morning and welcome to Weekend Mornings, Chong Meng.
1: Hey, good morning, Glenn.
0: Great to have you with us. What is the state from uh, PSA's perspective right now on the global supply chain? How are we looking? Is it, is it loosening up a bit? Is it getting better?
1: Well, it's uh, actually anything but normal. The supply chain was still healthy in the first quarter, uh, up to about March, and then I think in April we saw a sudden drop. And that reflects the uh, situation in manufacturing as well as construction. Um, I don't think it's getting better in the short term, uh, because countries will not come out of this situation in a synchronous manner. So if there's a start of demand, supply may be in trouble. If there's supply being created, demand may not be there. So I think we're going to be in this for uh, a bit yet.
0: What will it take, do you think, to, to open those supply chains back up to reconnect uh, countries and economies once again? Is it just a function of time or can specific actions, do you think, be taken to to start to free up some of those, some of those lines?
1: Mm. Well, firstly, uh, very quickly, Glenn, I think uh, supply chain is a very big word. Mm and uh, broadly it refers to the movement of goods and when this takes place between countries it enables trade uh, but it really has three very big flows and uh, some understanding is helpful to see how we can imagine the future the first is uh, logistics physical movement air sea barges trucks rail and even warehousing um, the second is regulatory uh, customs food and dangerous good declarations imo iata So, you know, a number of things that the industry has faced to comply. And then the third is financial, uh, letters of credit, uh, bills of lading, banking, insurance requirements. And for normal supply chain to take place, all these players and different parts of the whole ecosystem uh, must function together. And most times, they actually function uh, behind the scenes. And 70% of whatever we carry tends to be semi-finished, i.e. not goods that you would consume and 30% uh, for consumption. So through this crisis, what we found is that uh, different parts of this whole supply chain ecosystem that I painted uh, have been affected uh, to different degrees. A lot of it related to uh, the uh, problem that the health pandemic that has created uh, a crippling effect on human mobility because many of our parts still require the human touch.
0: Yeah, you know, you you recently wrote a, a very interesting thought piece on this, and you talked about uh, the the global supply chain as being sort of a team sport, uh, where you mentioned these different things, logistics mm-hmm. and regulatory and, and financial have to really mm-hmm. play together, right. and and at this moment, um, things are starting to. Starting to come out, C- countries around the world are talking about loosening uh, some of their um, uh, some of their uh, lockdown uh, uh-huh. uh, regimes. Uh, but this, you know, th- this is such a complex machine. How do we even begin to? Think about how we can uh, get bring these three team players back together again. Is it is it just a matter of it's going to slowly, slowly, you know, happen over time, or can governments push this uh, perhaps to to, or, or can industry and business push this to happen a bit faster?
1: Sure. Uh, actually, the financial flow side is the least disrupted because. It can take place uh, offline, if you Mm -hmm. like, uh, without a lot of human intervention in most cases. Uh, But there are still some countries where paper is still exchanged by hand. And uh, that points to how in future we will actually handle data and documentation. But in the short term, when we're talking about uh, trying to get countries uh, uh, to, to come back from the situation they are in, Governments are reviewing um, you know, the regulatory requirements because many of the regulations that protect people in peacetime uh, and uh, protect people in, uh, in, uh, against this health pandemic may constrain uh, the actions that the industry has. And I believe uh, governments will, will continue to evaluate as the length of this uh, uh, COVID pandemic uh, or rather the, this COVID pandemic lengthens in time. Uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, air freight... Uh, which has largely been down and passenger travel is reduced to almost nothing. Mm. Um, cargo is affected because cargo travels in the the belly hole of the, of the passenger plane. Sure. And during these times, you still have to fly the planes, uh, both cargo as well as passenger planes, to move products. Uh, but for the moment, you can't remove the seats, and that's regulation. So if this takes place for a longer time, will that change? So I think if if governments start to evaluate and find that there are ways to assist even in temporary responses, it will help uh, to to create more opportunities or options. And then shipping and ports itself, which rely a lot on intermodal connection, so uh, as an example, uh, if you were to take a taxi from point A to point B, it's really quite straightforward. But if you have to move to another country and take a taxi followed by a train and a plane and maybe another mode of transport, it requires a lot of connections. Uh, so I think industry players will and need to come together to keep supply chains open uh, in more collaborative uh, methods, with more collaborative methods. And that's what we're also trying to do um, by uh, having uh, industry discussions and see where we can make changes in the short term.
0: One topic that you had mentioned I thought was quite interesting was that we're perhaps missing a, a, a quote-unquote control tower <laughs> that would allow the direction of, of supply and demand with some sort of a general oversight as we look at different supply chains and as you rightly pointed out earlier, there are many uh, many of them out there. Um, how What would that look like in your estimation or, or how could it even be achieved in such a, a, a diverse um, environment, uh, business environment that we globally all live in?
1: Well, a good example maybe that people may be more familiar with is, uh, say, uh, Google Travel. Uh, it started with Google Maps, so integrating data that are passive uh, and then adding dynamic data that is on um, traffic and uh, people's travel patterns and then subsequently adding the commercial aspect of you know, when you get to your destination, what might be open? Is your chakwiti your stall uh, still operating? That sort of thing. Mm. So supply chain is a lot more complex, uh, but it is what I just described multiplied a thousand times over. Yep. The work actually began after IR 4.0 and, and uh, technology is basically there uh, to, to provide the system, the infra- data infrastructure, the exchange mechanisms, blockchain is available and so on. But I think the challenge in the industry is, one, the fragmentation. There are many players, big and small, all of whom are competitive and uh, wishing to create their own solution. And as a result, the um, integration and collaboration is, is has actually been uh, not too easy. We need common data standards and common data structures, which would then enable the so-called single control tower, which is sort of a holy grail. But even if mm. the world had a number of these... Uh, not a thousand, but maybe uh, you know uh, a manageable number. It will already be quite, uh, quite useful. I think this COVID-19 will make people reevaluate whether they should spend time to innovate separately or actually, uh, which may be wasteful. Mm. We've seen many of these uh, things take place, even in fintech. Huh, until we start to converge and to support uh, major shifts, governments will have a part to play in this, industry leaders will also have a part to play in this. And I think we can move together faster.
0: I'm speaking with Tan Chong Meng, the group CEO of PSA International. You've been in this business for many, many years. And in in the past, in recent decades, we've seen everyone try to kind of expand the the globe, if you will. Everyone becomes a a global supply chain, if you will. And Mm -hmm. in the past four months, there's been more talk about people becoming regional again. For example, the U.S. looking more to Mexico and Canada for its supply needs versus having to come to Asia. Or perhaps countries in Germany, for example, uh, in Europe, like Germany, would maybe rely more on uh, Poland or other uh, countries in in Europe for its uh, pieces of the supply chain rather than being exposed to uh, potential stoppages coming to Asia or going elsewhere. Do, Do you see this trend uh, happening toward regionalization uh, of supply chains as we move forward? Yeah,
1: actually, Glenn, we were already expecting some degree of regionalization to take place, uh, partly because of trade war and concerns about the resilience of uh, long-haul supply chain Mm. uh, between countries that uh, may potentially continue to uh, shift their geopolitical stances. Uh, But now with COVID, I think um, certainly manufacturers, producers and countries will uh, start to think about resilience a lot more uh, than just efficiency, effectiveness and cost competitiveness. And resilience will tend to try to draw uh, supply chains to uh, a shorter sea or shorter route environment uh, to enable the various pieces of say, like a manufacturing chain, to uh, to be more uh, how shall so I call it resilient at the time of uh, long haul shutdowns, um, but again it depends on the sector you're talking about. I mean, for the perishable sector like food, I think the tendency will be higher. For essential and now discovered very important medical uh, equipment and so on, I think people will be more concerned. Uh, but for white goods where the consumer product life cycle is longer, uh, I think. Hopefully, uh, in my view, uh, common sense and globalization uh, may still prevail. But then again, manufacturers will want uh, supply chain to be not just a task driven by the procurement department, but become more of a strategic multi year uh, issue. Uh, certainly, regionalization will be one of the options they explore.
0: How, how would this regionalization impact PSA International? You run so many ports around the planet uh, and and have have done such a great job of, of bringing many local uh, and regional players into an international and global mindset. How, how would this regionalization uh, impact PSA, do you believe?
1: Um, actually, PSA is much better known for its ports than its uh, assets and network that are beyond ports. And over the last few years... We have expanded our portfolio to include uh, many land-based assets as well as networks. Uh, We believe that in future, regionalization and global um, growth will go hand in hand. Um, When we come out of the COVID environment, I think the the inter-country global growth may come down in terms of percentage growth a couple of notches. Hmm. And regionalization and domestic movements will actually increase. Uh, So we focus on two things trying to look at end-to-end, which is not just sea-to-sea, sea, but sea-to-the-hinterland. Mm-hmm. And two, creating total visibility so that whatever uh, customers choose to, uh, uh, to do or what want to achieve, whether you're a food producer in the middle of Xinjiang or you are uh, Hewlett-Packard trying to ship your uh, PCs to different parts of the world, uh, we, have, we have the preferred answer for you. So advisory data clarity and uh, route visibility, you know, those are things that uh, go beyond just owning ports and running them as we do today. But port productivity is still uh, our our core and basic, uh, yeah. basic challenge day by day.
0: It's interesting that, you know, no discussion on, on supply chain can, can go without uh, talking specifically about China, you know, the factory floor of, of the world for many years now. And do you see with the regionalization that, um, that China will face... Uh, a downturn of any sort, uh, based on other countries in the West perhaps not relying on it so much, and and if in fact that does happen, uh, what impact might there we see on the port of Singapore?
1: Uh, well, we work very closely with uh, partners in China, so even today uh, we work symbiotically in terms and uh, synergistically in terms of. Uh, Uh, Helping each other to support trade, not just between our countries, but between us and the rest of the world. So certainly we are very keen uh, to know what the future holds uh, in terms of investments, manufacturing and how the marketplace will continue to grow uh, in China. But I would say that's a bit like looking through a a crystal crystal ball. (laughs) Uh, We don't know, to be honest. We only know that um, there will be sentiments. And sentiments may provoke actions, just like the trade war. Uh, But it's not so easy to uh, reposition supply chains for manufacturers, for producers, uh, because they have to take into account also the markets they want to serve.
0: Mm. Now, of course, you know, we have to keep our... our our thoughts uppermost on the the human toll of what's happened with covid-19 and and the you know the 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 human impact here but if if we can put this into the business context as we look forward over the next 6 months or year or year and a half who who do you see as being the uh, the beneficiaries the winners if i can put it in quotes that way um, to what's what's been happening and what will happen going forward uh, perhaps in this new regional global chain in envi- mm. a global supply chain environment? Mm.
1: So, so I think uh, we don't know whether uh, a vaccine will be found soon and even if a vaccine is found, whether it will be effective. So I think uh, many experts are saying now we've got to be uh, uh, capable of uh, bracing a number of cycles of uh, this pandemic and if you were to consider that i think our first priority will have to be nothing more or less than knowing how to keep our essential operations going not just as uh, ports or you know, in the assets that we own but with our logistic chain partners be it financial regulatory uh, or our business customers um, and then going beyond that i think we'll have to discover and embed uh, structurally different solutions we're already mm. working so differently today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when people get through this, and I, I look back at the like the Second World War because it lasted for quite a long time, the changes were very deep. Yeah. If this goes on for a year or two, the changes in our attitudes on um, online working and um, the you know getting to a logistic uh, environment that's much more digital uh, will be uh, even more. Uh, how do I call it? The shift will be even more structural. Mm. So. I think that is one uh, big answer. And the other would be to evaluate the, uh, uh, how should I say, the positioning of our portfolio. I think the demand for warehouses may increase because just in time, uh, inventory management may not be, enough anymore for food resilience, for manufacturing resilience. So some parts of our chain may need buffering. But then the visibility to be able to control and optimize this, I think will, 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 will take a totally different direction in future. And companies that can do that, uh, I think they will win.
0: Wow, a a very broad-ranging discussion to have to have about uh, the global supply chain. But uh, our thanks to Tan Chong Meng, the group CEO of PSA International. Uh, Really interesting stuff, and and really appreciate your time today.
1: Oh, welcome. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.